0: see Good morning once again. Today we are continuing our learning adventure uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, specifically Jesus' Beatitudes, teachings on the Beatitudes. Our series has been called The Beautiful Attitudes because when we train our hearts, fix our hearts on Christ, seeking to become more and more like Him, we find His beautiful attitude becoming more and more our attitude, and that's more and more beautiful here in this world. So, uh, I think this is time well spent and this is week number nine in the beautiful attitudes Uh, a while back earlier this year actually I was running on the Rutledge or the uh, Wilson's Creek Greenway which is over uh, by Rutledge Wilson farm does anyone know where that is yeah it's a nice greenway I was running along and I was somewhat lost in my thoughts um as i was getting into that rhythm that you get into after the first mile or so uh, you know you get through that first terrible mile and then you can kind of start to loosen up and kind of let your your thoughts trail away into some some direction i was getting into a rhythm i was lost in thought when i i looked up ahead and i saw something uh written in spray paint on the trail someone had written on the greenway trail in spray paint as i approached the writing began to take shape in big red paint letters someone had written in big bold writing yolo yolo does anyone know what yolo means yeah you've been around for a day or two you only live once yolo someone wrote yolo meaning you only live once here i've got pictures to actually show you this was a the writing on the sidewalk, there's one other picture that kind of shows the uh, approach I was having uh, to YOLO uh, on the Greenway Trail. So here I am, standing, puzzling, looking at YOLO, written in red spray paint on the Greenway Trail. In that moment, three distinct thoughts converged simultaneously inside my head, three. The first thought, my first thought upon seeing the YOLO graffiti was, why? why on earth was someone carrying a can of red spray paint this far onto the trail that took some planning I mean it took some like intention my second thought was why or what made them think and here here this is the perfect place this is where I will spray paint an encouraging acronym for any and all passers-by to see, this is the place. Perfect. That was my second thought. My third thought was, if we do only live once, what kind of life do I want to live? So I guess this anonymous spray painter was effective in the end because I ended up asking, well, I guess if I do YOLO, what kind of YOLO do I want to have? This unknown person spray-painted YOLO on the trail for unknown reasons. I can't know this person's heart. Perhaps it was for fun. Perhaps it was a moment of thoughtless public doodling. But maybe it was a thoughtful uh, moment. Maybe it was intended to encourage people to live adventurously, encourage people to live seeking joy, purpose, and meaning. Maybe they, as they touched their finger to the nozzle on their spray can, they were saying, I hope this encourages people to dare to dream. It's possible. Some of you are looking at me incredulously, but I know graffiti artists. They care. As I continued down the trail, I started thinking about what it means to really live well. To say, I lived my one life well? What does it mean to make the most of that one wild and precious life that we've been given by our Creator? I felt as if, I I feel, and I I felt in that moment, but I also feel uh, on a regular basis that the answer has to be bigger than me. The answer has to be bigger than my own sense of personal fulfillment. A life well-lived has to be bigger than the outline of me. It has to be bigger than my, my sense of personal fulfillment, satisfaction, or pleasure. I sense the answer must lie out there. The true answer must lie out there, beyond my personal universe that is centered on myself, that is focused on me discovering how to live my best life now. If that's the aim of your life, you are living a small life. If the size of your personal universe is you, if you're at the center of your universe, it's a small universe. If I believe my life is intended to be part of other people's lives, if I believe my life is intended to play out against this backdrop of a much bigger cosmic story, maybe I should step back and consider that bigger picture, right? Maybe that's a good use of my time and energy to say, whoa, if I believe that my purpose in being here, if I believe that a life well lived has to be bigger than a self-centered existence, then maybe it's good for me to step back and consider the bigger picture that backdrop, that cosmic story against which my life plays out. YOLO, it's true, you only live once. So, what is the best use of this one life you've been given? Has anyone else ever wrestled with this question? I mean, I remember when I was young, feeling my whole life seemingly stretching out before me and I just didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to get it wrong. I didn't want to spend it poorly. I didn't want to be dumb. And so I kind of felt myself, found myself fumbling along trying lots of different things because I didn't want to miss out on anything. What's the best use of this one life we've been given? So here again, unsurprisingly, I find Jesus' Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 to be particularly helpful. The wisdom that Jesus imparts to us here on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 is particularly centering for us. It helps center us. We find that it's extremely beneficial to us. Once again, Jesus comes into our midst, and He helps us focus. He helps us recalibrate our thinking on that which matters most. This is just one of the things I love about Jesus and His wisdom. The truth he, He gives to us is that it helps focus us and it helps us recalibrate. Re-examine why we're thinking the way we're thinking, why we're living the way we're living. I'm thinking of what Jesus says specifically in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, about being pure in heart, about the pure in heart being blessed, and how that blessing actually leads to something remarkable, seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Somehow, a life spent in pursuit of purity, set free from sin, set free from, the de- from decay by faith in Jesus Christ, it orients our lives around the very purposes of God, and it culminates in us actually, for real, seeing God our Creator." I don't take what Jesus says here to be purely uh, metaphorical or symbolic. Like, you will spiritually, in the eyes of your heart, see God. He doesn't qualify it that way. He's like, blessed are the pure in heart because you will see God. You will lay eyeballs on your Creator. And then he moves on. As if we don't need to sit with that for a second. Like what? Earlier in Scripture, we're told that no one can see God and live Yet we're going to be in this space, in this reality where we're actually gazing upon God. And our response will be not death, but worship. That's baffling. Ah, but not to Jesus. He's just like, and my next point. <laughs> You're like, wait, whoa, 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 pause the tape. We'll see God. How satisfying will it be at the end of our lives to have had the blessing of a purified and a healed heart, and then be invited into the very presence of God and to see Him face to face forever. Can you imagine? That yes, we have a purified heart now through faith in Jesus and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, but this is leading somewhere. It's leading to a time when we will be in the presence of God, seeing Him face to face Forever, what, what greater joy could there be than to experience living in rhythm with God's work in the world now and then, when this life is over, to live joyfully and eternally with Him forever in the world to come. That sounds more fulfilling than I can describe. That sounds like I lived, lived, I lived in the right direction, aimed toward the right goal, Because if that goal when finally received is overwhelming and more than I can even comprehend, that's a pretty good goal. To me, that sounds like, being with God, sounds like the best possible way to spend a life. It is the best possible response to that moment when I ran by the red YOLO on the Greenway Trail. Whoever spray painted that, that YOLO served as a springboard into all that I'm saying to you today. So thank you, graffiti artist. Turn to your, in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Let's read through the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, uh, today up through verse 8, starting in verse 1 of chapter 5. One day, as he saw the crowds gathered, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His di- disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Wow. Wow. Now, in the light of the resurrection, in the light of Christ and His resurrection, what does it mean to be pure of heart? Perhaps it's good for us to stop here and say, okay, what does it mean then to be pure of heart? Because in the Old Testament, it was just keep the law. But we know that the cross was this turning point, uh, a new revelation, a new, a new covenant and testament, uh, a new phase in what God was doing in the world through Christ, this in- injection of grace into the world. So we know that purity still matters, but it doesn't mean less, it means more. So what does it mean to be pure of heart? Now historically this has been interpreted uh, two ways. What Jesus is saying here has been interpreted two ways. First, uh, purity is either dealing with an inner moral purity, or secondly, it, it means a single-mindedness of heart or utter sincerity. A word for that could be devotion. Okay, so one's inward, one's outward. The first way purity of heart has been interpreted deals with inner moral purity. The secondness deals with a singleness, a single-mindedness of heart of utter sincerity or devotion. Now, the first idea of purity focuses on adherence to God's moral law. It talks about, it points us in the direction of living uprightly and fleeing immorality. You don't enter into the religious life in general or into the Christian life specifically without understanding that there is a way that we are intended to live. God doesn't leave this uh, to guesswork. A lot of the pages of the Bible are unpacking His moral will, how we ought to live, that which we ought to do, and that which we ought not to do. Okay, So this is what the first idea, the first interpretation is talking about. Adherence to God's moral law, living uprightly, and fleeing immorality. Uh, scripture passages that may uh, reinforce this thinking in our minds. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Look at 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. Classic passage, 1 Samuel 15, but Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Another passage that uh, reinforces this, let's look at uh, Psalm 24, Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. So, the first idea of purity draws us to the place where we are aware that we must adhere to god's moral law we must pursue an upright life that and we must flee actively flee immorality obeying god's revealed will now the second idea as if it were separate prioritizes a way of living that is free from the tyranny of the divided self i love that phrase living in such a way that is free from the tyranny of the divided self like Elijah calling out to the prophets of Baal and Asherah, how long will you waver between two opinions? It's in our human nature to fall under the tyranny of the divided self. The warning here is about trying to serve two masters, trying to live with one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in our own little empire. One foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Turn to a Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Another famously familiar passage, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money being representative of the things of this world. You cannot serve God and money with your whole heart. You can only give your heart to one thing at a time. Now, both of these views, both the inner path toward moral uprightness and adherence to God's moral law, and the freedom from the tyranny of divided self, how we live in the world, what we pursue in the world, uh, both of these views are true in their own right, but beware of the thinking that they are mutually exclusive, because they're not. Both of these ideas are true, but they're not mutually exclusive. D.A. Carson, in the Expositor's Bible Commentary, uh, further clarifies this point. The dichotomy between these two options is a false one. It is impossible to have one without the other. The one who is single-minded in commitment to the kingdom and its righteousness will also be inwardly pure. Inward sham, deceit, and moral filth cannot coexist with severe, sincere devotion to Christ. Either way, this beatitude excoriates hypocrisy. The pure in heart will see God, now with the eyes of faith, and finally in the dazzling brilliance of the beatific vision, in whose light no deceit can exist. Now as we look to Scripture to kind of further clarify even and drive home these points, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter twelve, verses uh, fourteen. Hebrews twelve, fourteen. Here, the writer of Hebrews says, "Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life." Here, you see kind of those inward, outward, outward inward dynamic. Okay, work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy, will not see the Lord. Flip over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3 verses 1 through 6. See how very much our Father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are, but the wor- but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves, what? Pure. Just as He is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So, purity of heart clearly it matters. Purity of heart. Now, there's when we say purity of heart, there's so much about these words that we like. There's no there's no hard r- 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 hard angular edges to this purity of heart it just rolls off our tongue it sounds good. There's so much about it that we like even outside of the Christian faith. People resonate with the ideas with ideas of purity of the heart of purity of the heart. People like this kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff we write in songs and things. Purity of heart. Indeed, the people who were gathered around Jesus that day on the hillside in Matthew, they too understood at least the basic concepts of both of these ideas. Purity and the heart. Notice, Jesus did not have to make an aside to explain what he was talking about. had so many points in the Beatitudes, he just says words and they register because people understand. He doesn't have to explain. He doesn't have to have to explain. Okay, here's what I mean by purity. And here's what what I mean when I say heart. People just nodded with him, like, yeah, we get it. We're tracking with you, Jesus, purity of heart. Long before Jesus sat down on that hillside to teach, people had a concept, anyway, of purity. And they had an idea about what is going on, metaphorically at least, in the human heart. Donald Moss from Saybrook University explains it this way. Aristotle believed that the heart was the center of the human body, the seat of the soul and emotions, and the primary sense organ of the body. For example, he defined anger as a a seething heat in the region of the heart. For example, he defined anger as a seething heat in the region of the heart. The cardiocentric theory was widespread in the ancient world and included an assumption that the heart was the seat of mental processes, including thinking and memory. So Jesus steps into that moment, into that teaching environment, resting on certain assumptions People have been culturally informed up to that point. So he knows where is an appropriate starting point in his teaching. And as such, Jesus takes what the people already understood and ramps it up. He takes what they already assumed and he elevates it to a higher level of understanding and of living. He takes what they've already kind of got a handle on, basically at least, lifts it up, orients it, and points it toward God he points it in a new direction and in doing so he points it toward blessing and seeing he ties it up with these two promises that you'll be blessed and you will see blessing and seeing pursuing a pure heart is about more than just avoiding bad stuff pursuing a a, a pure heart is not just about avoiding the consequences of bad karma or of punishment of reaping what we sow purity of heart leads to active engagement. This is what Jesus is hoping to motivate us toward active engagement with the life with God. Active engagement, interaction with God in this life, which is when we receive that blessing, and the future promise of dwelling with God and knowing Him in eternity. And that will be seeing. Because He says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, blessed, the, the pure in heart will be blessed. He said, the pure in heart, they're blessed, and they will see God. So interacting with God, uh, active engagement with the life in, God, the, in the life with God leads to blessing now and seeing in the, t- in the time to come. Kate Ziegler uh, brings it to a close with this, says, Being pure, then, means being aware of ourselves, consistently in check, and constantly turning toward God. I love that idea. Constantly being willing and able to stop ourselves and say, wait, where am I going? What am I orienting my life toward here? Checking ourselves and then constantly turning toward God. One way that we keep our hearts clean is by being mindful of what we take in. We live in a culture bombarded with messages about the things we should buy, about what we should watch, the feelings we should have, what we should fear, and who we should blame. If we indulge every desire it can lead to envy to fear or something equally ugly it can stain our hearts it can stain our hearts making a choice to not buy something or to not watch something or to forgive it is hard to do but it is sometimes necessary to see God means to sit in his presence to be awestruck By His goodness, His power, His holiness, and His faithfulness to us. With a clean heart, we can know Him, and we can be in relationship with Him, and we can sit in His presence, the presence of a perfect King. It is a comfort that we have God's mercy, because purity is a high standard, but with His help and by His grace, our hearts are made clean every day. And praise the Lord for that so who who is pure in heart i'm not going to ask for a show of hands okay because a lot of us struggle with this i know but who is it that is pure in heart and how do we pursue a heart that is pure well first i'll say this it is crucial to remember that to to be mindful of all that Jesus was thinking about when he points us toward a life of purity. He's not just sending us back into the dead-end street of uh, of religious compliance to rules. Clearly that's not his ambition, to just heap upon us more and more law-keeping. So what does he mean? What does he have in mind when he points us toward a life of purity? When he points us toward inner moral purity, as in the absence of hypocrisy and single-mindedness of heart, or that total devotion. What is Jesus thinking about? Well, God's blessing comes to those who hold these two ideas in tension, in a healthy, faithful, fruitful tension. That in the life with Christ, ours is to pursue inner moral purity, to root out all signs and all temptations of hypocrisy, because, guys, it's in us. It's so easy to end up faking it in the religious life, in the spiritual life. I mean, uh, we could ask for a show of hands on that. Have you ever caught yourself being a big, fat fake? Man, all of us have. We fall into this trap of faking it, hoping that God will buy it, and He doesn't. So first thing Jesus is pointing us toward is the pursuit of inner moral purity, which involves the rooting out of all hypocrisy. And then the second thing he's pointing us toward is a single-mindedness of heart, total devotion to live the way God told us to live in the world, to be about the things of God in the world. God's blessing comes to those who hold these understandings in tension. And keep this in mind, to succeed in one and fail at the other means to fail at purity altogether okay so you may say well i've got it i've got keeping the law buttoned up but you don't care about your neighbor you don't care about your friends and your family you don't serve others like jesus served us you're failing at both okay well maybe you're spending yourself being the nicest guy on the block but you don't really care about living a life of purity living according to the revealed will of god expressed to us in scripture and in christ well, then you're failing at both as well. Because to fail at one undermines the other, and you end up failing at purity altogether. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in The Cost of Discipleship, he asks the question, who is pure of heart? And his answer is this, only those who have surrendered their hearts completely to Jesus that he may reign in them alone. Only those whose hearts are undefiled by their own evil and by their own virtues too. And I love that, that, that aha moment at the end. It's like, yeah, it's not just your vices. It's not, it's not just your, uh, the evil in your heart. It's also the, the virtues in your heart that can become equally idolatrous, equally distracting, and equally detrimental to the pursuit of purity in your heart. So YOLO, my friends, you only live once, so make it count. Can we we set our hearts on that today? We will make this life count. Live on purpose. Pursue a pure heart and then prepare to see your God. May your life be blessed. May your life be blessed as you pursue freedom from sin, as you pursue freedom from immorality and deceit and hypocrisy. May you pursue, be blessed as you pursue the freedom that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And may you know the blessing of a pure heart as you live with single-minded focus and devotion to Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for you. Let's, let's pray together. Father, what I would give to be on that hillside with Jesus in Matthew, to actually hear His words and to Be in that moment and to have all the things going on around me that all those people had going on around them. And hearing you speak these simple truths, these simple promises into that moment. Oh. But here's the thing we recognize too that we're not on the outside, we're not left on the outside looking in. This was saved for us on purpose so that we too could hear those words. We too could hear those promises. That when Jesus says, Blessed are those who are pure of heart, that they'll see God that he was making a good, weight-bearing promise, one that we can rely upon, one we can stand upon, that if we pursue purity, that if we set our hearts on living according to your will, and we set our hearts on pursuing Christ's likeness in the world, we'll be blessed, and we'll be in your presence, and we will see you. God, the deep satisfaction that comes even from that thought. Lord, I pray that that would... Uh, just really catch fire and start to be a, a, a motivation for us in this life. God, I don't know, if, I can't speak for all my friends, but we've been through some pretty uh, high ups and some pretty low downs in our, in our Christian experience. We've been in different churches, we've been in different places where uh, we've believed some pretty inadequate things. Some of us have been trapped on the hamster wheel of religious performance. Some of us have been, uh, living a, a, been been roped into just a flabby, shapeless form of Christianity. But God, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what Jesus said. We want to live the kind of life that He defines and lays out for us. So God, I pray that you would help us do that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and be active uh, in our midst. God, bringing to mind the areas that we are being hypocrites pointing out in our minds the areas where we are being lazy. God, I pray that you would uh, stir up an appetite inside of us, in our hearts, the seed of our, of our intellect, of our emotion, of our true being. Stir up an appetite in that for Christ-likeness, for Christ and, and His glory. Lord, we've been given such opportunity to experience your blessing here and now, and it's by pursuing, pursuing purity pursuing obedience, living a life of devotion. So, God, I pray that those things will start to take root here and now. And sometimes you might need to uproot some things. You might need to prune some things in our lives. But, God, we want to give you permission to do that. We don't want any of that stuff keeping us away from the promises of Christ. Lord, we lay our lives before you. We lift up all this stuff we've brought with us today, our our fears, our failures, our hopes, our dreams. We lift these all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a couple of quick announcements, and I'd like to, then we'll finish up with a time of prayer together. But uh, announcements today. uh, If you'd like to be involved with Kids Focus, as you can tell, Megan, man, you did a great job today, Megan. What I loved is that all the kids were doing the sign language, and about half of the adults in the room were also learning it with you. That was great. Mission accomplished. Uh, If you'd like to help us with this, we're trying to do this each week. Just, Spend some time with the kids. So, if you'd like to be involved on the rotation uh, for kids' focus, see me or see Heather Haynes in the back there. We'd love to get you on board for that five to eight minute time period in our worship gathering uh, to really uh, connect with our kids. Uh, Students, uh, Curtis and Kendi, what's going on tonight? All right, great, thank you. Uh, At the back of the room, as you know, we've uh, had some Hope & Anchor t-shirts that have been made for a while. My wife kind of spearheaded that project. But today we have some of the new handmade Hope & Anchor mugs on the back table that she would love to show you. And even more than that, she would love to sell you as a fundraiser for Italy. So uh, (laughs) there are three different colors. They're back there. My wife is even there chomping at the bit to talk to you about the mugs. So if you have any questions about the mugs, go to the back. They are there. Hey, Yurt Church, how great was that? Wow, we had a full house, well I guess a full yurt uh, last Sunday. Uh, so many people came, uh, two, two busloads of good ones were there. Um, <laughs> it was good to see your brother and his family as well. But uh, man, just a great time in worship and just hanging out and just spending time catching up with each other. So if you came out all the way down to Yurt Church in Reed Spring last week, thank you. It was a great time and it did my soul good. Um, Another thing that really did my soul good this week was on Friday afternoon we had our uh, bi-monthly, which in this sense I mean twice a month. Have you ever thought that? Bi-monthly is odd. It means either once every two months or twice a month. Semi-monthly. What's that mean? Twice a month. Oh, semi-monthly. Where have you been all my life? (laughs) Semi-monthly. What does twice a month mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, I digress. We had Love Thy Neighbor, our mobile food pantry, in the back parking lot. And By the time we showed up this week, cars were backed up all the way through the parking lot out onto the street. We got to bless and pray with and give food and uh, cleaning supplies to over 30 families that came through. Guys, there's a real need in our community. The economy has affected um, a certain segment of our population very, very hard. I talked to one family that said they were both employed full-time and while they still have those those same jobs, they're only getting two and a half hours a week of work. So they're being cut back to two and a half hours a week. Who could live on that? Show of hands, no? No, nobody could. So just the heartbreaking stories, but I'm so thankful that God has positioned us for such a time as this to bless our neighborhood. So we need just a handful of volunteers to to come on Friday afternoons when we do the Love Thy Neighbor events from 1 to 2.30. It's actually from like 12.45 to 2.30. But man, what a concentrated moment to really bless some people. If you'd like to sign up or get involved or find out more, see me, see Heather Haynes as well. Offering. We see the giving of tithes and offerings as an intimate expression of faith and worship. Uh, So we want to make sure we make that available to you. There's an iPad at the back so you can give with your debit card. Uh, You can go on the website. There's ways to give through PayPal on our website. Uh, You can arrange an automatic check to come from your bank. But there's also two baskets. So if you want to write a check or just put... Like Scrooge McDuck, just gold coins in there. Do that. One's behind Richard here and one's there at the back. So one last thing. Uh, You'll notice you've not seen Wally and Debbie Miller here for a while. Uh, Once the coronavirus hit and the lockdown happened, they uh, really uh, took it seriously. And they've been kind of separated from our church for about six months now. And... uh, had the discussion with them last month about them stepping down off of the elder team. So you won't be seeing them around uh, at Hope and Anchor, which is unfortunate, but I felt like you needed to know that there is some transition going on there. Uh, So Wally and Debbie uh, served with us for a decade, and I'm just super thankful for the contribution, the gift they gave to us in their time and service. moving forward we are in the process of praying through and and seeking god's will and bringing others onto the elder team so if you would just join us uh we hope to within the next month be giving you more information on that as we gain clarity Um, but just be praying for our church god's called us to do an important work and he's given us all the people and all the resources we need to do what he's called us to do so i pray that uh, we would just be receptive and attentive and obedient to where he's calling us so would you join me in that all right well Anything I missed? Any other announcements? Alright, well, if you'll stand and let's pray as the Lord taught us and let's see if I can't not mess this up this week. Oh dear. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church, and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks, everyone. Have a good afternoon.